Thank you for listening to the River's Edge Church podcast. We believe God has a place for you to belong, people to be in community with, and a purpose for you to fulfill. Here is today's message. All right, let's get into the word. This is uh, week three of the series that we're calling The Advantage, based on John 16, 7. And uh, John 16, 7 says this. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. These, of course, are the words of Jesus. And so today we're going to kind of crack open the door a little bit about the Holy Spirit in Jesus's life and look at why we need this advantage. So if you're ready for that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Father, we thank you that Jesus sent us the advantage. That he looked at us and said, in order for them to do and live the life that I've called them to live, they're going to need some help. So Father, we thank you for the helper that Jesus sent to us, the Holy Spirit. And God, I thank you that today, that Holy Spirit, you work in the message that I'm bringing. That you would flow and minister through me to your people as you see fit, God, I ask you to custom tailor this to every here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So as I was uh, going over my notes this morning, I was, I was reminded of when I was about 12 or 13 years old, my dad actually had um, an irrigation business. And so he basically, he sold irrigation equipment to farmers. That's what he did. And and uh, I, at 12, 13 years old, was the grunt, right? I got to be the shop boy and always sweep the shop. And I got to sort parts, which was always fun. You know, all the, yeah, God, yeah. And so, you know, there'd be, we had, these, we had this big bin, uh, this big wall of bins that had all these different pipe fittings. And uh, they were always messed up. And Dad would go, go sort fittings. And so I'd be like... What is this again? Okay, that's this thingy blob over here. And, you know, and I'd match it up and, and have to do that. But the thing that it seemed like that I did the most working for my dad was I would stack pipe because my dad sold a lot of pipe. And so I would stack pipe and I would unload trucks of pipe and I would reload trucks of pipe. It's just like pipe was in my life every single day. And there was this guy that happened to work for my dad uh, by the name of Dimitri. And Dimitri had uh, actually moved to the United States from Eastern Europe. And um, Dimitri was the other grunt. <laughs> Me and Dimitri, we got all the, you know, uh, we couldn't weld, we couldn't do those things. And so we got, you know, the stuff that, that nobody else wanted to do that had to be done. And uh, Dimitri was, was old, which means if I remember right, he's probably in his 40s somewhere, right? Because <laughs> when you're 12 or 13, 40 seems like ancient. And then you turn 40 and you go, ah, oh, 40's not so bad, <laughs> right? And, uh, but anyway, so Dimitri and I worked together a lot and we loaded a lot of pipe together. And when you would do loads of pipe, you even editably had to tie down a load. And um, Dimitri would always look at me, you know, he'd, he'd throw the rope over and I'd go to tie a lot. You know what that means? Because I don't know how to tie a knot, I'd go to tie a lot. <laughs> and... And so I would, and, and Dimitri in his Eastern European accent would go, no, no, Dimitri show, Dimitri show. And I'm like, 
you know, and so he'd, you know, show me how to do it, and, and that's just, this happened a lot, right? In fact, I worked with him, I only remember like one summer that, that I worked with him, I worked with him like every day, and it seemed like every day I was hearing, Dimitri show, Dimitri show, and it's like, okay. And um, what's amazing is, is I spent this whole summer with this guy, and I got through the summer, and as I look back, there's only one thing that I can remember that I learned from him. No, no, Dimitri show. That's all I remember. <laughs> he showed me how to tie knots again and again and again, and I missed the lesson. Here I had this guy that had some understanding of some things that could have changed my life because I still can't tie a knot. I tie a lot. <laughs> right? And there was even a time where I watched some videos that said, Zach, this is how you tie this knot. And I've since forgot, right? That's the nice thing about YouTube, is you go to YouTube and learn just about anything. But I missed everything that Dimitri had, right? And can I tell you, I think there was a lot of believers that they, they enter into a relationship with Jesus, they read the Gospels, they see Jesus' life, and there's things they don't learn. There's things that they miss. They're right there in plain sight, they're right there for us, and we don't get it. It's kind of like me. I didn't intentionally ignore Dimitri. I just didn't care. Right? And I think sometimes there are certain things in Jesus' life we just don't care about. Y'all look at me like I'm crazy, but you know it's true. Right? So can I tell you, Jesus' life is important. And, and we need to understand all aspects of Jesus' life. You know, if you're at all like me, and I think we all do this to a certain degree, we pick and choose what parts of Jesus' life we like. Can I tell you, the world does. Right? The world's like, Jesus is love. Just supposed to love everybody. Ignoring everything else in Jesus' life. Can I tell you, if we're going to get something right, we should get love, right? Amen? <laughs> but can I tell you that if you read your Bible, there's some crazy stuff in here about Jesus' life in relationship to us. I mean, stuff that if you, if you step back and you look at it, your mind will just go... Pow! Yeah, let me show you. Ready? First thing. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in, in Corinth. He says this in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Hmm. How of you would say to your best friend, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Just got real, didn't it? <laughs> Paul is saying, he's saying, imitate me, right? Imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Paul lived to imitate Jesus. He wanted to emulate him in every way. And that's why he could say, imitate me. If you follow my life as I follow Christ, boy, it's going to be good for you. So imitate me. 
You know, the word imitate here, if we go back to the root Greek word, means to mimic. To mimic. To follow the conduct. As it, as it used right here uh, in this particular verse, it's an exhortation encouraging the healer to be continuous in habit or practice. He says, imitate me, be consistent in habit and practice as I am, as I follow Christ. Can I tell you, I have some habits and some practices that I wish nobody would follow. <laughs> right? That's why I love 21 days of prayer and fasting, because God just starts yanking stuff out, right? Like I had a whole conversation today with somebody uh, before church, and they were asking about some, some people that I know, and I said, well, to be honest, I haven't talked to them in like two months. And then it kind of looked at me like, well, why haven't you talked to them? And I said, well, because quite frankly, I've got an attitude. I have an attitude. I developed an attitude towards them. Wasn't offended. Wasn't offended. Wasn't offense. It's just like you say that you want to be that, but you're not being that. So maybe I don't have time for you in my life, right? Because we only have so much time, people. There's only so much of us to go around. And so pop this attitude a little bit and and I told him I said but you know don't worry about it. I'm gonna talk to him like this week because the Holy Spirit's just been going uh, excuse me you have an attitude here and you need to let the attitude go and I'm like right <laughs> but we all have things right in us that that you know we really don't want people to imitate you, know, you learn this really fast when you have children you know, there was a time one time when uh, uh, Janet was, was driving and uh, Zach was in the back seat. I mean, he's a little guy. And um, as they're driving, somebody cut Janet off. And Janet kind of was like, hey, watch out. And, and Zach's like, yeah, watch out, you idiot. <laughs> Janet comes home and goes, so. You use the word idiot in the car, huh? It's like, how do you know? Because this happened. Mm. But see, we all have these things, right? That we wouldn't want to have other people mimic. But Paul is saying, no, 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 mimic me as I mimic Christ. You know, Ephesians 5.1 goes on. Paul again says this. He says, therefore... If what he told us already wasn't enough, he says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Oh, thanks, Paul. It's bad enough I got to be an imitator of you as you imitate Christ, but now you're telling me to be an imitator of God? Can I tell you, just take your religious mindset off of that for a second, because I know we've probably all read this verse, and we're like, yeah, be imitators of God, isn't that great? Da, da, da. No, think about what it says. Be an imitator of God. Does that make anybody else's head hurt? I mean, I'm like, be an imitator of God? Imitate God? I mean, Paul's just going, ah. put the screw in, like, twist it, or the knife in and twist it. It's like, ah. an imitator of God? 
how do I do that? Be an imitator of God. You know, uh, we imitate lots of things, really. I'll never forget on all the years that I was a youth pastor, I had this friend in Seattle, and uh, he, he was a gatherer. He would gather uh, other youth pastors, and I was an old youth pastor um, because uh, we were graduating Bible college and going into youth ministry at the time most youth pastors leave youth ministry, okay? We were dinosaurs, and so uh, we didn't have a lot of relationships, and so I had this one friend. He's like, you need to come. You need to hang out. We get the, we get the youth pastors from all over the Northwest together. They were in this massive church, thousands of people. We get the youth pastors from all over the Northwest together. We get together. We pray for each other. And we spend time with each other and hang out, and he did it like once a quarter, and, and so I just started driving to Seattle from Portland to hang out. And what was really interesting is that I found out really quick, I, I didn't fit in. I didn't fit. One, I was older. Everybody else was in their 20s, and I was in my 30-ish, we'll say 30-ish. But what was really interesting is at that time, there was a, 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 a pastor you, some of you might have heard of that was the most sought-after youth minister in the world, a guy by the name of Judah Smith. And uh, I'll be honest, I had an attitude towards Judah. And it wasn't because of Judah. It was because of what I deemed the Judahites. Because I would go to Seattle to be with my friend and connect with these other youth pastors, and they were all mini Judas. They were wearing the jeans, they were wearing the boots, they were wearing the t-shirts, they were wearing the beanie. They looked like, they had the glasses. They, they didn't need glasses, but they would go get glasses. So they looked like Judah. And so I didn't like Judah because of his followers. And I think Judah's one of the best communicators of our time. He's just, he's very gifted, have a lot of respect for him. But they're all imitators. They thought if they wore the shoes and they wore the pants and, and or jeans, I guess at the time they had, they wore the jeans and they wore the right t-shirt and the right jacket and the beanie and the glasses that they would be Judah. Can I tell you, God only made one Judah. But they were all imitating him. And you know what's really funny is when, when we imitate people, what we tend to do is we tend to emulate their weaknesses, not their strengths. Can I tell you how Judah dresses is not his strength, right? His strength is his ability to communicate, and he's a great storyteller. He can weave a story and have you going, right? It's amazing. He just has this gift. But they're not emulating that. They still preach terrible, <laughs> right? If you're new to us, I'm sorry. This is just who I am. But here's the deal. They're emulating the bad things. Right? They're imitating the wrong things. Can I tell you there's nothing in Jesus that's wrong to emulate? It's all good. It's all good. We, we can copy him verbatim, right? Em, emulate him in every, every particular way. And it's good. And, and I love it. That, you know, here's Paul in, in Ephesians 5 taking it up and said, be imitators of God. Taking it up. You know, there's nothing in God that if you emulated it, it would be bad. 
it's all good. And what's crazy is, is that, is that it, it gets even worse. And what I mean by that is it gets even more impossible, it seems. Because listen to this out of 1 John 2, 6. He who says he abides in him, in other words, you say that you're a follower of Jesus, that your life is in him, that Jesus is your savior, you're right, you're a believer, you're pursuing him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Can I tell you, that doesn't mean to walk with sandals on your feet and scuffle along like Jesus walked. That would be a misinterpretation of the word walked. This word walked is something completely different. Right? The word walked here is in the Greek, ready for this? Uh, peripateo. Yeah, peripateo. Not peripateo. <laughs> peripateo. This is what it signifies. It signifies the whole round of activities of the individual's life. It signifies the whole round of activities of the individual's life. In other words, it's to walk as Jesus and to participate in the activities of his life. In other words, to put it this way, to do what Jesus did in all aspects. Yeah, I knew it would get quiet on that one. Because as I chewed on this, I'm like, ooh, this is big. This is big. See, to put it another way, this verse is saying that our lives are to replicate Jesus' life in everything that he did. Our life is to replicate Jesus' life in everything that he did. And, and if, if that's not bad enough or challenging enough, it's probably a better way to put it, challenging enough, Listen to what Jesus himself said. You ready for this? John 14, 2. No, that's not right. What's the verse? I put the verse in. What? No, no, no. It's John 14. Oh, 12. Okay, thank you. Thank you. 12 through 14. Perfect. Thank you. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me. Anybody believe in Jesus? Right? Believe in Jesus? Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus' words, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because I go to the Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus said, Jesus said, if you believe in me, the works that I do, in other words, the things that I do, you will do. 
Can I tell you, this just seems to just keep getting... Okay, imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. Let's be imitators of God. Oh, if... Uh, God in him, uh, like, but do... But why, Can I tell these are all in our Bible. But you know what we do? We read these verses and we just religiousize everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, I got it. Mm, yeah, thank you. Thank you, God, I got this, right? Can I tell you, if it's in our Bible, and can I tell you if we see it in four different forms, four different places, I think God has a message for us. And I think that message is that we're called to live a life higher and radically different than the life that the majority of Christians live today. And it makes me uncomfortable. Just honestly, it makes me uncomfortable. Thinking about living as Jesus lived, doing what Jesus did, being an imitator of his life. Now see, <laughs> we... Uh, We'll imitate him in something. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm imitating God in love. My love, I, I love, I love everybody. I, I'm walking in love. I'm, imi I'm imitating Christ. I'm walking in love. Well, how about you imitate Christ through fitness? Oh, I'm imitating love. How about you imitate him in forgiveness? Forgiveness, right? Can I just tell you what true biblical forgiveness is? True biblical forgiveness is represented in the life of Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus restored us to the place that we held before the offense of sin ever happened. So do you know what true biblical forgiveness is? To restore the person who hurts you to the place they held before the offense. And you know what I always hear when I tell people that? But pastor, you don't know. You're right, I don't. I don't know what happened to you. I don't know what they did. I don't know how you incurred it, how, how the situation occurred. I don't know the pain that you struggle with with that particular situation. But what I do know is the word of God teaches that ultimate forgiveness is restoration of a person to the place before the offense happened because that's what Jesus did for us when he forgave us. It was about restoration. Can I tell you that that kind of forgiveness you can't do by yourself? You can't. It's impossible. I've had some people hurt me in ways I have had people hurt me in ways it affected my sleep for years. That it, it caused me to pray every day, God, this pain has got to go away. But it does come. And there is a way. There's a way to walk in that kind of forgiveness. You know, what about everything else that Jesus did? You know, uh, how about this? Uh, heal the sick. Give sight to the blind. Cleanse the leper. 
Open the mute ear. Well, pastor, it doesn't mean that it doesn't. We just read four verses that says that it does. Four verses. Can I tell you there's more? In fact, a verse that I've been praying for a couple of months now. Mark 16, 20. It says that the disciples went out and preached the word everywhere. God working with them to confirm the preaching of the word with signs and miracles following. I've been praying that. Because you know what? We live in a world that's desperate for miracles. They're so desperate for miracles, they'll make miracles up. They'll make stuff up, right? And they don't care how they get a miracle. They'll get a miracle from a place you shouldn't go get a miracle. Right? I mean, if people aren't hungry for, for uh, miracles, explain tarot cards. Yeah. Will you read my palm, please, and tell me my future? Can I tell you, there's one that knows your future. And he'll tell you. It's called the advantage. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. Right? See, but the world is so hungry. They're looking for counterfeits. And they're duped by counterfeits. As we read our Bibles and go on oh, living, I'm living for Jesus. But are you living as Jesus? How about this? You know, one of the things that people marvel at is that Jesus cast out demons. You know, a lot of people in the church don't even believe demons are real. Can I tell you? Demons are real. They're real. But you know what? Jesus gave us authority over demons, over the demonic. He gave us authority. So we don't have to be scared or intimidated by it. I love Brother Hagin used to say, Brother Hagin used to say, you know, there'll be a day when it's revealed that we'll see what Satan was, and we'll go, we were worked up about him? Him? He's the one we freaked out about? How about this one? How about getting a word of knowledge like Jesus did with the woman at the well? Disciples head into town, get something to eat. Jesus hangs out at the well. Woman shows up at the well. And he tells her her whole life. And he does it covertly, right? So, uh, where's your husband? Well, you know, I don't really have a husband. He goes, yeah, you're right. You've had a whole string of them. And she's like, I love this. I perceive that you're a prophet. <laughs> wow. But you know what the end game of Jesus getting that revelation knowledge on that woman was? That she rushed back into her city and they all came to faith in Christ. That one thing affected a whole village. How about, how about we walk in and follow Jesus in those things? That we're just having a conversation with something and we're in tune to God's spirit so much that's like, 
you know, I just perceive that this is going on in your life. You know, we had that happen years ago. The, the very first time, we used to call them God encounters. Now we call them now experiences. But the very first God encounter we had, we had Jeff Osborne here, and it was wild. It was a wild night. Jeff Osborne is the, like a wild man for Jesus, and, and it's crazy. And, and his, his, uh, his, his, his godfather, right? Like, his godfather, right? That's what he is, right? Lives here in, in the valley. And so and he, he's on staff at a church here in the valley. And, and so he came that night, and, and I was there. And we're worshiping God, and Jeff starts ministering. And it's just got nuts in here. And all of a sudden, Jeff's ministering to people. His uncle, his godfather, taps him and goes, hey, I just feel like I, I'm supposed to minister to that person. I'm like, go. And I got, I got up on the stage, and I'm looking across the auditorium, and there's this woman sitting back here in the back. And instantly I saw a life. And what I saw was this woman in the middle of her bed, weeping and going, God, do you understand? Do you know? Such torment. Do you even see? Do you even care? Are you even real? I'm like, okay, here goes. And I walked back to her. She's still like, right where you're at, Sally. I walked back to her and I looked at her and I said, you know, I know that you don't know me, and, and, and I don't know you, but I just have this impression, and I want you to know that God has seen. He's seen you laying in the middle of your bed with tears streaming down your face, you calling out to him, asking, does anybody know, does even anybody care, does God even care? Except God loves you so much that he would give my attention to speak to you. How about we live like that? That's what we're called to. That's what we're called to. And all these verses focus on that. I mean, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. He who says he abides in me ought himself also to walk just as he walked. And most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also. See, I don't know about you. I read these verses and I come to the conclusion of one thing. I can't. I can't. The Lord tells us that Jesus was tempted in all places as we, yet without sin. I can't even do that. I, I can't even live without sin. Don't worry about gross sin. I'm, it's not what I'm saying. But I can, tell, can I tell you, every time I get irritated, a person cuts me off on the freeway, there's some sin right there. Every time my wife asks me to do something and I don't want to do it in a cop and attitude, there's some sin right there. 
Every time that I squander a moment that I know I'm not supposed to squander, there's some sin right there. Every time, too popular, every time I go back for that seventh piece of pepperoni black olive and mushroom pizza, <laughs> can I tell you there's some sin right there? There's some sin. I can't even do that. And these verses are telling me I'm supposed to live like Jesus lived in every single way and function. And I see that and I say, I can't. And my guess is that you would say the same thing. Is you can't. Take you back to our key verse, John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Jesus said, I'm not lying, guys. This is truth. You need to understand this. It is to your advantage that I, Jesus, go away. Now imagine, they've walked with him for three and a half years. Jesus has been their life, and he's telling them it's better that I'm gone than to stay. He says, for if I go away, if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. See, the reality is, is this life that we are called to live in Jesus, we were never intended to live in our own ability. We were never intended to live in our own strength. But instead, we're to live it empowered by the helper that Jesus sent. And yet, we don't seem to understand. We don't seem to understand that part of the Trinity. Lots of us have ignored that part of the Trinity. And yet, we see the helper at work in Jesus' life. We see Jesus' encounter with the helper, and we're blind to it. Much like me with Dimitri show, trying to show me how to tie knots again and again and again, and all I have is Dimitri show. And so many of us, all we have is Jesus and him crucified. And can I tell you, that is awesome. I'm not making small of that. But Jesus wants us to live just beyond salvation. Salvation's not the end. He said to live as he lived and to do what he did. And he said, and there's a way that you can do it. He said, I will send the helper. Can I tell you, as followers of Jesus, Jesus said, I have a great advantage for you have an advantage for you that is better than anything that you can imagine. You can live in a way that you never lived, but it's only going to be with his help. And next week, we're going to go there. We're going to look at the advantage in Jesus' life. Because I want to tell you this, Jesus is our example in all things. In all things. And there is not a single part of Jesus' life that is not important for us. 
from birth to resurrection and everything in between. Every part of his life is for us and we need to understand it. And next week we're going to jump into the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life. Because when we understand the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life, it'll help us understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. But I can tell you right now, the role, the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our life is so that we can live like him. Because we can't do it on our own. Amen? You know, you're here this morning, and I just had a, I just had a sense sense this morning as I sat in my den that there are some of you that are here and just living life seems hard enough. You're like, God, I've been in this place a hundred times and this is not who I want to be. This is not how I want to live. It's got to be different. Why can't I? Why do I struggle? And I want you to know I just had a, an impression this morning that God has an impartation for you today. An impartation that will help you end the cycle once and for all. And so if you're here this morning, you'd say, you know what, Pastor? I just need help getting over this. I need help changing this area. I can't, I can't seem to do it on my own. I believe that this morning he wants to help you. So if you're here this morning, you'd say, you know what, Pastor? That's me. You're talking about me. That impression you have is for me. If that's you, I just want you to stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Prayer partners, can I have you stand? Go be with someone, prayer partners. Josh, you got Paul. There we go. Good. Everybody have somebody with them. Hey, Zach, would you do me a favor, son? Would you go stand with John Witt? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the helper. Father, I thank you that you're attentive to our needs and our frailty. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, as we stand with these, 
that are saying, God, help. That, Father, right now, you're just infusing them with just a fresh perspective, with fresh strength, with fresh wisdom, with fresh knowledge, and, Father, fresh power. In the name of Jesus, we say no more. No more. It's over. It's finished. In Jesus' name. I thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Help right now. In Jesus' name. funny. I just have to laugh about how God deals with me sometimes. As you stood up, I was reminded of a song. I think it I think it was by Skillet back in the day, going back to my youth ministry days. And I might be wrong. I'm, I'm sure if I'm wrong, one of you will correct me. <laughs> but there's a song that the verse was, help is on the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Help is on the way. And that's what I just heard. As you stood up, help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. We don't do it in our own ability. None of us do it in our own ability. It's only by his help. It is only by his help. So I want to tell you something because I know what's going to happen. Right? And this isn't negative faith. It's just reality. Because I know how the enemy works. Right? This week sometime... You're going to do it again. And you're going to go, God, I thought you were going to be help. Or you'll do this. Can I tell you, when we blow it, do you know what God wants us to do? Word tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace, to receive help in time of need. To come boldly. Yeah, God, I just screwed up again, but I'm here. I'm here. And I know you're bigger than this. I know you're better than this. I know I can't do it on my own. So I'm right here, God. Here I am. And you know what? I don't care if you do it a million times. Every time, that should be your response. God, I'm coming. I'm coming to the throne of grace. I need your help in my time of need. Don't allow it to compel you away from him. Let it compel you to him. Because you know what the picture is? Is when we make that turn, the picture is the prodigal son. It's the picture that God gave us. God doesn't go, come on, come on. No, he goes, come on, baby. Come on home. Come on home. Man, I love you so much, son. I love you so much. I love you so much. That's the picture. We think it's going to be, oh, <laughs> and his response is, come on, son, I love you so much. Man, let's, let's kill a fatted calf. Let's throw a party. Let's put that robe back on you. Let's get you that ring that says that you're mine. God says, come on, I'm going to remind you that you are mine and I am yours. So let it compel you. Okay? I'm believing that something broke today. 
But I'm telling you, if you mess up, do not let it drive you away. Let it compel you home. Father, I just thank you right now in the name of Jesus for every person in this building. God, I thank you that you are so incredibly good to us. And Father, right now, I just pray for anyone here who, you know what, maybe they need to take that very first step with you. They need to, for the very first time, just say, you know what, Jesus, I need you. I need you. And more importantly, Jesus, I want you. Father, I just thank you that right now, if there's anyone like that in this, in this building, God, or within the sound of my voice online, God, I pray right now you're just moving on them, strengthening them, giving them boldness and courage to take that step with you right now. In Jesus' name. So if you're here this morning, you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I need to take that very first step with Jesus. I've never started a relationship with him, but I know that right now in this moment, I need to take that step. If that's you, if you're here, would you just lift up your hand, anybody at all? If you're online, you can click that link. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you that you're good. That you are good. Thank you, God, that you go with everybody from this place. God, that you make the crooked places straight. And God, I pray that they would see around them this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we love you guys. So thankful that you're with us this morning. Have an amazing week. And if you are a married couple or an engaged couple, I want to encourage you to come participate in EXO with us. Thank you for listening to the Rivers Edge Church podcast. If you would like to know more information about the church, please visit our website at recboise.com and make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can subscribe to our YouTube page at recboise. Thank you for listening.